Amen. Holy, holy, holy Lord Almighty. Talking about the kingdom of God. This is week number seven in Kingdom Minded. It's the end of the series. You made it. Good job. <laughs> so glad that you have come along on this journey with us. We're talking about Kingdom Minded the last seven weeks. And I hope you brought your worship shoes on. Did you guys wear your worship shoes this morning? We've already had a good time in the presence of the Lord today, uh, but we are going to worship even more after this message. Um, as I'm talking about heaven, can I just talk about heaven for a little bit? How many of you can't wait to go to heaven? I cannot wait to go to heaven. I am ready to go. Let me eat papacitas just one more time, and then I can go, and then, um, <laughs> then I'll be ready. But kingdom-minded. Uh, is what we're talking about. I'm ready to worship the Lord. Uh, I was back when I was a teenager, or not not teenager. When I was a youth pastor, and we took teenagers to different things. Uh, we went to an event, and we brought a kind of a new kid with us who didn't know much about church. And we had a worship service, and so you know the worship starts, and you know I'm, I got my hands lifted, my eyes closed, and he walks up and stands right in front of me like this, and he says, "Why are you lifting your hands?" You know, like in the middle of worship service, you know. And I'm like, it kind of jarred me for a second. And I said, well, I'm worshiping the Lord. It's okay. Just go over there and worship God, you know. And then it's okay. So I go back to worshiping the Lord, and he comes back, and, and he's standing back in front of me again. He says, well, you have two hands up, and some people only have one. What does that mean? I said, I don't know. Just, just go over here and worship the Lord, okay? And so, you know, he goes over here, and it wasn't just a couple minutes later, and he's, and he's back. How long is worship going to last? Forever, okay? It's going to last forever. Just go over there. <laughs> I'll talk to him a little bit about it later. But, but I, I didn't mind the questions, actually, because if you've never been to church before, I mean, you know, people like this and everything, you've got to ask this question. And so, uh, so how long is worship going to last forever? Well, one day it is going to last forever, and, and I'm pretty excited about that. And so we, we've gone through the kingdom of God. And we started all the way back at creation, and even before creation, there was always God, right? So before the earth was formed, there was God, and he was before. Uh, he is our creator, and he is our king, and we are his nation that is under his rule. Um, and then about being kingdom-minded is to think like David, not like Saul, to have a goodness culture in our church. I want us to have a goodness culture, which is to think kingdom-minded, um, kingdom of God is like, and there is an end of the age coming, which we're going to talk about even more today. And then last week was the fruit of the Spirit, um, and that's really about being kingdom-minded. And, and what, I've, what I've found out about uh, the fruit of the Spirit is that, again, like I said last week, you, know, you don't go home and, and, and try, to be, try to have gentleness. You, you worship a Lord that is gentle, and then he fills you up with gentleness and all these different things, and, or patience, whatever it is. And what I found out is that as, as we spend time with the Lord, he begins to fill us up. Sometimes it's not that we become more patient. Sometimes it's, it, we realize when we have not been patient. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes we're kind of filled up with patience, and sometimes we're like, ooh, that wasn't very patient of me. And so it's, it, it's on the forefront of our minds of, of um, being kingdom-minded. And so that's what we're... Um, what we've been talking about today, uh, we are looking at rule and reign. That uh, it's gonna, there's gonna be a rule and a reign forever and ever and ever. And you can say as many ever's as you would like to, because it's gonna rule 
forever. And listen, we, we need this. We, we need to preach sermons that help us live our day-to-day life here on earth, right? And we're going to hear sermons on that. You know, what do I do when this happens and fruit of the Spirit and goodness? And, and, and while we're here on earth, we have decisions to make. And so we've got to have help in this and this sort of thing. So we've got to preach sermons that help us live our day-to-day life. But we also need to preach sermons that remind us that there is more to life than what's on this earth. There is more to life than what's on this earth. There's even more to life than you, believe it or not. Things happen before you were born. Did you know that? Um, and, and so there are things outside of this earth that are also happening. Just as God was before earth, or I guess since you are looking at it this way, since God is before earth, and then we have uh, this what we call time, and then after earth, there is a time after that. And so we need to be reminded of that. There is more to this world than what's going on right now in this world, that God has a redemptive plan. Yes, for you, the individual, but for creation, for the kingdom of God. There is a redemptive plan for its all. The evil of this world will not last forever. That is good to know. That is good to remember. The evil of this world it is not going to last forever. But there is one who is, and his name is Jesus. He's God. So I'm going to be talking about after that time, what we call time, we're going to be in the book of Revelation, all right? If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to be in Revelation 4, and we're going to be in Revelation 21. Before I get there, let me read just a couple of verses of what David is talking about this before we get to Revelation 4. In Psalm 19, he says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, They make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. So the the skies proclaim that there is a heaven. If you're wondering, you know, is there a heaven? Is there a God? This planet, this earth, all of creation sings that song, lifts up that praises. Yes, there is a God. And David knew this. David knew that, that, that even, even the, the planet here points to a creator, points to a God. Then he says in verse 6, The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. And so just as there is a sunrise that happens to begin every single day, just as there is a sunrise, there is a creation. There is a, there was a beginning to this thing called creation or earth. And so it rises, and that sun moves through time. And nothing escapes its heat. Nothing escapes the, the, the sun, the, this creation. But just as there is a sunrise, there is also what? A sunset. That is that end of ages of what we're talking about. That there is going to come a day where this is done. And all this is over, and nothing is going to hide from its heat. David goes on in Psalm 22. He says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. David is going through a time where 
he is being attacked by his enemies and they're hunting him down and there's injustice in the world. Did you know that there are injustices in this world today even? There are injustices in this world. And he's calling out, God, aren't you all powerful? Aren't you, you know, can't you hear my prayers? Do you not see that my enemies are right behind me? Do you not see that there are injustices in the world? Can't you with just the snap of your finger, Thanos, just with a snap of your finger, can't you like stop all of this? Can't you like bring everything? What, can't you hear me? God, can't, do you not see what is going on? And he, and he cries out, and David actually does this a lot throughout Psalms, if you, if you read it. There's so many times that he's just crying out to God, saying, don't you see what's going on here? Verse 3, yet, everybody say yet. There is a small word, but it's a big word. So it says that, yes, these things over here are happening, yet you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel, our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. There is a God that is with us that even in these injustices, whether we see him move or not, we can look in our past, look at our ancestors and Moses and Daniel and Paul. We can even look in the past of our own lives and we can see the hand of God moving. Have you noticed that? Have you looked back in your life? And and in the moment, you wondered where God was. And now here you are five months, five years later, and you go, I see the hand of God and where he was moving me. You you see this? We see that that God was moving us through this. So even though there are these bad things that are happening, yet you are holy. And yet you move with us. So here we are in Revelation chapter 4. This is John, most likely the disciple John, who followed Jesus, um, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was uh, banished to the island of uh, Patmos, and he received a vision from God, and he wrote it all down. I mean, you can just see him just feverishly scribbling everything that he's seeing and in front of him, in front of this vision, and, and so... He writes this down so that we are able to now read this book here today. So I'm thankful for John, and I'm thankful that he was able to write this down. And so these are, most of these events are future events that's going to happen in the future. And so we look at Revelation chapter 4, and we get a little glimpse into the throne room of God. So Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So here is uh, uh, this angel who is telling uh, John, here's what's about to happen. This is happening soon, and it's coming, and I want you to see it for yourself so that then you can tell others. Verse 2, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Can you imagine just the greatness of the throne of God and what it looks like? And he's going to give us a little bit here where we can imagine a little bit of what's going on. But the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. There was a rainbow that circled around 
that circled around the throne, just the majesty of everything that is there. Verse 4, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. This is a big throne. (laughs) This is a big throne room. There's a sea of glass, of crystal in front of them. We're not exactly sure who the 24 elders are. They may be angels. They may be people who, uh, who live this life, these 24 elders. We're not sure. But here they are, and they've got their crowns, and they're around. And you see just this splendor and this majesty that is this throne. In the next verse, it says, In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Now, in this book, there's a lot of symbolism and some metaphors and some things, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of it. That, that's not the purpose of this sermon here today. But what I, what I will mention in this is this seems to be representative of all of creation. So you've got the first living creature. You've got lion, which covers uh, uh, the beasts. You've got oxen, which covers cattle. You've got a man, which covers humanity. And you've got uh, an eagle, which represents the birds of the air. Two kinds of, of creation that's not mentioned here are things that crawl across the ground and fish. What it seems to be is that uh, uh, the serpent is kind of the, the head of, of those who crawl across the ground, and that's representative of Satan. Well, Satan's not going to be there to worship God, okay? So he's already gone. And then you've got uh, those who are fish, where if you look at some of the symbolism in Revelation, it seems to mean those who are unrighteous, who have been buried, who are not going to come back up. So that's why you don't have crawly things, that's why you don't have fish that are surrounded here, but you do have lion and oxen and man and you have an eagle. And what it is, what the, and the main thing here is, is that this creation is worshiping God. These eyes that are all over their body is meant to say that we are completely aware of the splendor of God. We don't, we've never been completely aware of anything, okay, insert joke here I guess, but We've never been completely aware of anything. I don't know what's going on behind me right now. I only have eyes in front of me. But when we get there, we're going to be completely aware of God and what's going on. And he's going to show us all these things as we worship him, as we look up at heaven. And so this is the point right here in verse 8. Here is creation. We're standing around his throne. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What a great day that's going to be. Day and night, they never stop saying. So how long are we going to worship? Forever. That's how long worship service is going to last, okay? It's going to worship forever, okay? So now, we, we don't understand that. Like, if, if, if we, in our human body, in our human mind, you know, what's a long worship service? Well, everybody kind of has their own idea of what a long worship service is. But if you were to say, we're going to worship for an hour, we're like, great. We're going to worship for five straight hours and do nothing else. Okay, 
We're going to worship for 24 straight hours, singing a song. Blake's up here doing this for 24 straight hours, okay? We're like, well, let's give it a shot, I guess. (laughs) One month long, nothing but this right here, praising the Lord, singing songs. Like, our, our minds, our bodies can't quite understand that because we have limitations to these bodies. At some point, we got to go to sleep. At some point, we've got to go eat something, okay? So we are hindered. This earthly body hinders us from completely understanding this. But there is one day that we are not going to be hindered by this earthly body. Hallelujah, okay? No matter how, no matter how nice you can fix your hair, okay, this is an earthly body that hinders our understanding and what we're able to do. But one day, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have this earthly body, and we will be able to worship forever and ever and ever. And we will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that holiness lets us know that we are unholy, but he has dressed us in his holiness. Completely set apart as holy from the unholy. But he dresses us in his righteousness and his holiness, and we are able to worship him forever. And I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. I have been many times in my life where I have felt, no, I don't want church to be over. No, let's let, let's let church keep going. But at some point, it was great to hit that pillow that night because I was tired. But one day, we're not going to have to worry about it. This body is gone. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, thanks to him who sit on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before them who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. So even those 24 elders, all the crowns, all the accomplishments, all the good things that we have done, when we look at his holiness and splendor and majesty, we have this need of, oh, okay, that doesn't matter as much. And we lay our crowns down and say, whatever accomplishments we did, whatever good things we are, you are the one that is holy. And so that puts everything in perspective for us. We can't get too proud and beat our chest too much about what we were able to do. Because we look at a holy God and say, it is all because of you. So even they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, verse 11, you are worthy, not me, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. It goes all the way back to the beginning. You created, this way, You created everything. And here we are now, the sun has set, and we're giving praise and honor and glory to you. These are what we're going through. We are in this kingdom of God. We're in this creation. Okay? So if we don't like this this rules, if you will, that they have, or this life that we have to live, it's kind of like, okay, well, go go make your own kingdom. (laughs) Okay? Go make your own kingdom. It's like whenever you you go over to somebody's house and, and you're playing... Uh, you know, Uno, you're playing cards like that. And, like, you know how people have their own set of rules for how to play Uno or Spades or Dom or whatever it is? And you're like, that's not how you play that. 
right? And they're like, well, that's how we play it at our house. Okay? All of y'all have weird rules. Me and Becky, by the way, we know all the rules to all the games, so come and talk to us about it, okay? But your house has the wrong rules, okay? So when we come to your house, you have the wrong rules, but we're at your house, so we got to play by your rules, right? Well, if you don't like God's rules, go make your own kingdom, okay? <laughs> go make your own kingdom. But since you were created in him, since you are in this, in his kingdom, then we play by God's rules, don't we? We play by God's rules. And so the next several chapters, uh, chapters 5 through 20, which I'm not going to get into just for the purpose of this sermon, but you're talking about Armageddon and you're talking about nation rising up against God, nation after nation after nation, and people rising up against God. All those injustices will be accounted for. The injustices that David talked about in Psalm, the injustices that you read about on the news today, the injustices that you have felt in your life where people did you wrong, all those injustices are going to be wiped away. They're going to be accounted for because we have a great and honorable judge, don't we? We have a good judge. All those injustices are going to be accounted for. And we, we, we want those injustices to be accounted for right now. Because we look in our life, and sometimes good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. And we say, well, God, didn't you see that? What? And we, get, we, get, we go crazy because we see the injustice or we see the wrong. How did this evil man get all this money? And I'm stuck over here, you know. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people and all these things? I was driving the other day, and I saw from behind me there was a guy, like, flying down the road, weaving in and out of people, you know. And I'm like, goodness gracious, what's going on? And I'm driving, and he comes around me, just like wheels around me. And, and that moment, as I'm thinking, while he's weaving out of traffic, I'm thinking, where is a cop when you need one? Like, Tim, were you off that day? What in the world? Like, didn't you see that guy? I saw him. And you see these injustices, and you're like, where is the cop? Where is the police officer? Where is the police officer? <laughs> where is the police officer? Okay? So about a minute later, I come up to a stop, and then I did what some would call a rolling stop. And as I roll... I see a cop right there, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Thankfully, he did not stop me. <laughs> but I thought, but I'm, I'm thinking this as I'm going through this, and my heart starts beating a little bit, you know. But as I'm thinking about this, what I just did was not nearly as destructive potentially as what this other guy was doing, flying and weaving and all this kind of stuff. Did I break the law? No. <laughs> but it's that comparison side that says, that's injustice. I was just trying to, you know, a little over here. That's injustice. He did that and nobody stopped him. But what I'm here to tell you today is that all those things and the many, many, many worse things that have happened in this earth, these injustices, they will be 
accounted for. God sees. He sees it all. So if we were to look, we're going to 21, but let me read just a couple of verses in in Revelation 20 right before it. As we're kind of at the end of this nation rising up against God and all this. It says, the sea, uh, Revelation 20, 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Listen, if God were not, let me tell you this, God is opposed to the wicked. I know that that does not sound loving, as we like to think and we like to say, but God is opposed to the wicked. In fact, he would be wicked if he was not opposed to the wicked. What do you think of a judge who would not punish lawbreakers? If there is a judge, and this person over here commits harmful acts to this other family over here, and the evidence is there, and in fact, he's admitted it. He did it. What kind of judge would you say he is and says, you know what, I'm going to let this one slide. I'm going to be a loving judge today. And that didn't, didn't just happen one time, but that happened multiple times. So a lot of it's definitions, right? You can define that as loving if you want to, but what is it to this family over here? God is a God of perfect justice. And in fact, we can see nations and kingdoms throughout our past lives of judges that were corrupt, that allowed those who committed evil atrocities to get by with it, and those nations crumbled. Why? Because nations cannot crumble, they, or they cannot uh, be effective. They cannot reign if they have a corrupt system. They will not stand. And God's kingdom will not stand if he does not have perfect justice over all of those. Now, this person might have committed a crime against this family over here. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the wicked have committed a crime against the judge. It was the judge that had that, that evil, that sin was committed against. So God... Yes, God is a God of love. He is also a, just, a God of justice. And he has to be. He has to be a God of justice. Listen, the covenant or the agreement with God is, a, is not a negotiable thing. You can't change the terms or consequences. You accept them or you reject them. You accept Jesus Christ or you reject Jesus Christ. Those are the only two things you can do. Verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It is a reality that we have to come to grips with. So you say, wait a minute, didn't you say at the beginning of this message that John got like a vision, like a dream? Okay, well, I've had dreams and visions before that didn't, that didn't take place. Maybe this was just, maybe he didn't know what he saw. Maybe he's here, this, you know, this whole book of life thing. Like, I've heard of that. There's a movie about it or something. But uh, that might not even be a real thing. Didn't John just, like, get this weird vision of this, of this book of life? 
Actually, the book of life has been known for a long time. Psalm chapter 69, verse 28, David's talking about it. He's talking about all the enemies that are coming his way. Psalm 29, or I'm sorry, 69, 28. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. There are righteous in the book of life, and there are, no, there are the wicked who are not in the book of life. Even Paul talks about it. Philippians chapter 4, he's talking about all the people who are uh, Christians or Christ followers, or they are following the way at this point. And he says, along with Clement, uh, uh, Philippians 4.3, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. This idea of the book of life didn't just come about with John in a vision that he saw. This has been known for thousands of years. This is a reality. There is a book of life. But thankfully, we have a Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2.6 that says, For he raised us from the dead, along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. I want to be reunited with Christ Jesus. Anybody else? He raised us from the dead. That means he took us from the unrighteous and brought us into the righteous. So then Revelation 21. Here we are at the the end of time here. Time as we know it. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Sometimes we kind of forget this, because we'll say here, well, I can't wait to get to heaven and live with him forever. Yes, and also yes. Because one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, which is consistent with the entire Bible. It's consistent because he is always making things new. He is always, this was corrupted by unrighteousness. We're going to put that away, and we're going to make something new. In the Old Testament, we're talking about um, sacrifices, that they were unclean, and now he makes it new. They are clean. David said, created me a pure heart. When Jesus died on the cross, he's doing a new thing. There was this, and now there is this. He is making a new thing. And so there is a new heaven. This, this earth that we know of, the heaven that we know of, will be gone, will be disappeared. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem will be coming down. Jesus makes all things new. Verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. Gone forever. The injustices, gone. No more death, no more sorrow. No more crying, no more pain. The physical pains that we have here on this earth, we've got to take medicine and we're popping pills and all this. There's no pills in heaven. None of that. There's probably not beds in heaven. Why are we going to lay down and and, and take take a rest, take a nap? Like we're here. There's not any 
light bulbs in heaven. God gives us enough light. All of these good things, and then these things like death, sorrow, crying, and pain. It says, the word says that he wipes away every tear from our eyes. When he wipes away that tear, there's no reason after that to have this emotional reaction to what's going on in front of us that we cry. We're not going to need that anymore. He wipes away every tear from our eye. I don't know about you, but that is worth praising and worshiping him. This is the heaven, the new heaven, the new earth that we get to look forward to and to worship and praise those who are righteous, those who have put on the the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ, and we get to worship him forever. And so I want to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're actually going to have a practice session for heaven, okay? We're going to have a practice session for heaven. And who knows how many hours long we're going to go? Forever. I don't know how many, how many hours we're going to sing this song. No. But we are going to worship the Lord. Verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Remember the kingdom of God at the beginning of time, and now here he is at the end of time. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God, and they will be my children. I can't wait to worship God. Last verse, Revelation 22. Verse 7, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Jesus Christ is coming soon, amen? And we're going to live with him forever and ever, forever and ever. So let's go ahead, let's have a practice session for heaven right now. If you would stand to your feet. We're going to have a practice session right here, all right? And we're going to worship the Lord. This right here is kingdom-minded right here. Worshiping God. Understanding that there is more to this life than this earth. How many of you know that? There's more to this life than this earth. And there is one day we are going to come together and we are going to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let's go ahead and begin to worship. Lift your hands for a moment and just begin to talk to the Lord and and worship Him for a moment. Lord, we love you. We worship you today. We don't need a song to sing to start worshiping. We're going to worship the Lord anyway. Let's worship the Lord. Go ahead, lift your voices and worship to Him. Let's lift our voices. Let's worship this morning. A glimpse of heaven today. It's going to be a sweet, sweet sound one day. If you're here today and you're what, or you're watching online, and <clears throat> you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm pleading with you to give your life to Jesus, because there is a day that is coming. 
He loves you so much. Your past is your past. But you can still have a future with Jesus. Nothing you have done in your past makes Jesus say, no, 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 not not you, not that one. No, 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 he loves you. Give your life to him. What a wonderful day. Today, I look forward to what God has for us. But I look forward to that day in heaven where you can worship forever and ever. I'm not going to get tired. We're going to worship God. Let me pray for you this morning and we'll be done. Lord, thank you for this day, for all your many blessings. Lord, we come here today and we lay down our crowns at your feet. For you are holy, holy, holy. The one who was and is and is to come. Thank you, Lord, for that day that we can look forward to, to gather around your throne and worship you forever and ever and ever. God, I pray that you would be with us here today. If Those who have not given their life to the Lord, I pray that they would. Just a simple prayer of God, take my sins away. Help me turn around, move in the direction toward you. God, I just pray that you would be with those. Be with those who have not accepted your goodness and your righteousness. And I pray they would accept that, God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We lift you up here today. Go with us this week. Help us to be kingdom-minded in all that that means. In, In all of what that means. From the fruit of the Spirit to goodness to worship unto you. And knowing that there are things outside of this earth. There's more to our lives and more to this earth. Help us to be kingdom-minded. Work together and not quarrel. And There are bigger things than the things that we could quarrel about. Help us to be kingdom-minded. To know that you are God on the throne. There is no one going to take the throne away from you. You are God that is on the throne. Help us to have your mindset. Transform us by the renewing of our minds, God. Help us, Lord. Help us to seek first your kingdom and and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to us as well. But help us to seek first the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.